Welcome to the Master Channel Podcast. I'm Dmitrievna, a Berlin-based music producer, live performer, and an avid supporter of Eastern European culture. Each week, I'll be talking to an interesting musician or a producer on the path to their creative mastery so that you can get inspired for your own journey. Are you ready? Here we go. Hi there, thank you so much for being here. It means a lot to me. I'm really excited to get the show started. My goal is to create a no-bullshit platform for artists where we all can get real about our experiences and learn from each other. Welcome to today's episode, my fellow creatives. I'm so excited to announce today's guest, the one and only Kilburn. I'm totally in love with her brutal music and I'm just so happy that there's someone out there with an honest passion for hardcore that is slowly but surely changing the landscape of contemporary dance music. Kilburn is a producer and a DJ based in New York City. She has crafted a queer sound all her own, drawing connections between hardcore, industrial and club music. She has contributed official remixes and original production for a wide range of musicians, including Kickstakilla or Nucci, and her original tracks and edits can be heard at DJ Nights around the world. Kilburn has been interviewed numerous times about the roles misogyny and transmisogyny play in dance music and continues to push a politically informed understanding of dance music and the worlds in which it exists. In today's episode, Kilburn has shared her perspectives on how to navigate DJing and playing live if you're into a less popular style of music but still want to captivate your audience. We have also discussed many strategies on how to keep your creative juices flowing and lastly, Kilburn has shared her tip on what can give you more drive to promote your music without losing yourself in the social media world. I just think there's so much valuable advice if whether you're a DJ or a producer or a performer, so let's dive right into it. Hey Ash, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm super happy that you're that you're in. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Can you share when and why you started making music? Um I think this project started uh, probably when I got to college, which was a long time ago now, I guess, like 2011. Um, yeah, I got there. I was into DJing. I started doing that um, and pretty quickly realized that I wanted to learn how to make music, too, and not just play other people's. Um, so, yeah, probably like 2011, 2012. And did you have any previous education in music or interest in music? I mean, I loved listening to music. Um, I'd had some, like, piano and guitar lessons when I was younger, like, you know, elementary school, beginning of middle school. Um, but I don't think... I should have been more grateful for them and actually practiced and tried to learn. Um, but I'm still... I'm trying to, you know catch up on what I missed out like I play piano now I still remember the basic like fingering you're supposed to do from lessons mm -hmm. and what, what was the moment that like really made that switch that like okay I don't want to just consume the music I actually want to start making it was it just the teaching environment that you were in um I don't know I'm sure like DJing was a big part of it because it was I mean, it's a pretty social thing in a lot of ways, like to play for friends or to meet people through music. Um, 
I think it probably happened just when I realized so much of my like brain was focused on music, like about finding new music, about listening like critically or like trying to break down in like a song what was going on. Um, yeah, it just sort of dominated my life. And I think I kind of at a point realized that and acted um, accordingly, like just trying to make music a big part of what I do. I also wanted to ask you because, like, um, you know, I, I I really like I really love hardcore and Gabber and just and I really rough love rough music and mm. I was always wondering how people react to women doing that. Did you have any sort of like strange reaction? There's been lots of positive reactions, like you know, playing like for a crowd that's into hardcore, like afterwards I think a lot of like women have come up and been like that was exciting to see a woman do that because mm -hmm. it is a really like male dominated scene as far as who performs mm -hmm. um I haven't I've honestly haven't gotten too much like negative feedback for that specifically obviously there's always a million little like ways that people treat you differently like being a woman musician or DJ mm -hmm. but um As far as the whole, like, you play rough music, but you're a girl thing, like, mm -hmm. not too much. Okay. Well, but I'm also, I'm, mind, I'm mindful of the fact that, like, there is a lot of backlash for women who do hardcore. I think the assumption that you're, like, being ghost produced for by your boyfriend or by some other um, producer. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I see. But... Mm -hmm. But great to hear that you didn't have any like uh, bad reactions. And how yeah. how how is it in general to, you know, play play with this genre? Because I feel like it's obviously it had its uh, height in the '90s, and I feel like it's slowly coming back. But um, are, is there any community or scene that you could tap into to like get bookings in the U.S. or is your like booking agency dealing with all of this? I mean, I, I definitely am very thankful for my agent for um, doing booking. But there is, like, there is a scene in the U.S. Um, it's definitely a lot smaller than in Netherlands or Belgium, Germany, France, etc. Um, but it's there. And, I mean, there's a lot of history for hardcore, like Lenny D and Industrial Strength Records. Oh, my God, I love Lenny D. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was just... He's, um, last week he showed me, or like we, he was mixing like one of my tracks, like just doing a mix down of oh it. Oh my God. And I sat, <laughs> that's sat that's and watched. <laughs> it was very fun. But yeah, so there's, there's parties for that. I think right now in New York, there's a good number of like hard style parties being booked, which isn't exactly the same, but it does have some overlap. Like there might be one hardcore DJ on the lineup. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm grateful for what there is, but I definitely sometimes look over at the Netherlands and I'm like, why can't I have a hardcore party every single night of the week? Yeah, well, and how, how well, do you then play at like events that are not always like 100% hardcore? Because I mean, I saw you only for five minutes, but I still saw you in Amsterdam. Uh, and that was the night where, you know, there were multiple genres at the same time 
Oh, right. At, um, at Sonic Acts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of shows I do are like that. Um, you know, there's all kinds of stuff like live performers, uh, electronic musicians doing like live sets, DJs who are playing very different things. Um, yeah, it's a range. I mean, I'm excited by that. I think I love like events that are specifically targeted at one genre. Um, because if you really love that kind of music, like, of course you want to get all of it in you that you can, Mm -hmm. but also it's important to, um, you know, take different music styles, um, and approaches to performance and put them in conversation with others that they might not normally go up against. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I love, I love playing events like that. I'm playing, um, Next week, I'm playing uh, a creepy TP festival in the Czech Republic. Yeah. And it sounds, yeah, that sounds like it's going to be wild and just all kinds of people and music. And I'm really excited to see that. Yeah. I mean, all, all of my friends, they've been always going and like, I'm really considering going this year. So I, I share mm-hmm. the excitement. <laughs> yeah. Because for me, like personally, it's like I... I think I've been talking in the podcast about this like so many times, but uh, um, yeah, I always feel like I don't necessarily belong to a specific scene. Like I'm between, uh, you know, between techno and, and more of like performance pop thing. And I can't really, mm. I can't really play in, in, in Berlin clubs because, you know, you have to be, um, if you're a live set, you have to be with your, like your drum machines. And it's not like about look, right. looking at the performer. It's about like getting lost in the music. <laughs> while like mm-hmm. I, I'm not I'm also not a band and I can't perform with like a drum kit behind me so um yeah it's oh my god you're too pop too pop for drum machine yeah and like too electronic for rocking yeah it's funny yeah like r- real drums yeah but but the thing yeah. but the, the thing is that I feel like there's more and more of these like electronic performance but like the venues and the um, festivals I feel like they haven't caught up yet that much you know mm. mm-hmm. so that's why I'm always wondering how do people from like who are operating in genres that are not that big kind of how do they manage this landscape of you know not fitting always right yeah I mean I think that's for me so I have two thoughts when I hear that the first is like for hardcore um playing in you know like quote-unquote like experimental club nights or like queer club nights whatever whatever um I think it's it's you're coming to the audience and showing them something maybe like individually people definitely will know what this music is but like as a collective it's not oh how do I put this um Okay, so like a creepy TP, um, I'm sure there will be some people there who know what to expect when I play and are excited to hear that. And there will be other people who don't know what to expect when I play or may not even be into hardcore in general. Um, so I think often, and I think this goes back to like music in general, you're working to, as a kind of translator, like a mediator between um you know, different subcultures and whatever. So I I think like, uh, if you're doing a genre that isn't as familiar to an audience, 
you kind of like guide them through, um, you know, basically create a window for them to go into it because maybe diving right in to the most hardcore event ever would be a bit overwhelming. Mm. Um, I also, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Like club music right now, I think is, um, people are excited about like live performance or that idea of like doing like really hardware focused sets, but there's still this kind of discomfort with like, you know, something closer to like a pop music format or like doing vocals, but not having all of the buttons and knobs that you're pushing and stuff. Um, I think it's like, I don't know. It's very weird what we um, decide is like, that's a legit performance versus what isn't. Cause like DJing is so minimal in what you're doing a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I like the idea of like op op opening up the window for people to, to, to see something else. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's, that's a cool perspective. I never thought of, of it like that. I'm going to embrace my weirdness then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we all should. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily weirdness, but just, um, Yeah, sometimes if I feel uncomfortable, like, not, you know, sometimes I play, like, in between rock bands or, like, some different mm. different stuff, and it's just like, uh, I don't really belong here, but I'm going to try to make the best out of this, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Do you know, um, do you remember that night from Sonic Acts when uh, Violence played? Oh, my God, this was, like, the best performance I've seen ever in my life. I know that's I feel like they're like the shining example to me because so we both played that night and the next day we both flew to um, Milan and played together mm -hmm. and it was like the night was there was a film screening then violence played then I DJed and it was like you know these three things that were all so different from each other but worked so well and I feel like I don't know when I see them perform It's just amazing to me, like so captivating. So I feel like when your performance is that crazy and that just like earth shattering and weird and powerful, mm -hmm. that's when people like stop doing all of this. Like, oh, well, this is the kind of performer that should be at this party and that performer should be at a concert and this should be for a club night. It's just like you just have to like shut up and like watch because it's just so amazing. Entrancing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I should just I should just stop complaining and just get better, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but it's totally it's totally real. Like, yeah, it's hard be doing something that isn't totally in step with whatever the norm is around you. But yeah, I like to think that if you're good enough, it'll translate. I hope so too. I hope so too. <laughs> okay, so um. You have done a lot of great remixes and I particularly love the one that you've done for the Swedish artist Nucci and you have also produced for her. Um, how has making remixes and producing for other artists helped you to grow? Um, I mean, I think it's just really... Well, I think producing for an artist or working in the studio with them is 
really invaluable because a lot of what musicians are doing now is so isolated because you don't need to go to a studio to make music. You can be on your computer in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, like working with Nucci was great because um, you got to talk about both like little decisions, like, oh, I want this part to be longer, like the kick should be more present or something. And overall, just like the vibe that you're going for or like what you want to get across as an artist. Like I loved hearing what she was trying to do and kind of being like, how can I, you know, create um, a vehicle for her to do that? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I don't know, but it's always, it's fun working with other people's art too, like doing remixes. Um, I think, especially for vocalists, you know, a lot of music, electronic music lacks like original vocals, like you're just sampling the same kind of stuff again and again. And so I think it's cool when you, you know, do something that hasn't been done before. Mm. Is it hard to um, get vocals? Like, or working with vocalists in general? I mean, I don't know. I mean, because there's, I, I can imagine that there's producers who are specifically, like, hiring singers to, like, do something so they can, like, work with it instead of using old samples and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, getting, I think it depends. Like, for me, doing vocals... Um, or getting like vocals on a song. I think I immediately look to like people that I'm already close to or artists I admire. Like, um, I don't know. I did a, uh, for Blade, I did like a live, there was live vocals for some of it. And my friend Jeremy did that. Um, and it probably wasn't like as clean as if I'd hired like a studio vocalist, um, And just giving them like some quick directions and they send it over like an MP3 and that's kind of one and done. But it was much more fun to like be working with my friend and kind of arrive at something together. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think samples are great. I mean, obviously I use a lot of like old vocal samples. I think everyone does. I think the key is to um, do them in a new way that hasn't been done before maybe. Mm Because, um, I don't know, like, especially in hardcore, it's like certain tracks have just been used so many times, like, it's not even fun anymore. It's just you're kind of working off of the legacy of the, like, 10 DJs that did that song before you, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's this one jungle sample pack that, like, all the techno people are using, and I can hear the mm. same sample, like, in 10 different tracks, and it's like... Oh, no, again. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's boring to feel like every single person is using the same, yeah, the same sound banks and whatever, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I feel I feel like Ark, I, like, he has been mentioning that he's, he's mainly doing stuff from samples, but he's, like, twisting them, making them sound different. I feel like that's, mm. that's what you have to do. You can't just... I mean, I, I, I use, like, some drum samples, and I think drums are I, I don't feel as about using like drum loops and stuff because like you can't make drums sound that different but if you hear a synth it's like you know you know 
kind of. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's real. I think just not being content, or at least like, obviously sometimes you get the sample and you're like, this is perfect the way it is. But in general, most of the time, hopefully you're like, this is really cool. How can I give like my own touch to it or whatever? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, distort it or like bring out more space or something or pitch it up and down, chop it up. It's probably when the most cool stuff happens. Absolutely. Um, Do you have any strategies on how you're maintaining your creative flow? Oh, gosh. Well, one of them is that I'm in Utrecht right now for the next six weeks. Um, I kind of, uh, you know, I'll play some shows while I'm out here, but definitely I'm going to have a lot of downtime, and I want to use that to just be really productive. So that's kind of a one-time thing. Like, obviously, I can't – that's not sustainable to just – go to a different place and like work on music. Um, but I think, you know, if like finding ways to make music fun, making it part of like your schedule. Cause especially with like, if you're working a job, if you have a social life, um, it's easy to get home at the end of the day and be like, I'm so tired. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to do anything. I wanted to sit on the couch and watch TV or read whatever. Um, I think just being like, yeah, I'm kind of tired, but I can also have fun with messing around with music right now. Um, I feel like that's it for me. That and listening to new music. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the time when I'm like, oh, I don't know what to make. I'm like, oh, it's because I haven't listened to anything new in a while. Um, not because you're copying what someone else is doing, but because you just want to hear new ways that people are making, you know, art and rhythms and whatever. Hmm. It's interesting because, like, some people go about it in the way that, like, they just completely stop listening to what what other people are making so that they come up with something mm-hmm. unique. But I feel like to a certain extent you need that, like, drive to, I don't know, to hear some fresh things. Yeah. I mean, I get I get that for sure. But then I'm also of the mind that, like, it's impossible to create art in a vacuum. Like, we're always working off of ideas that we've absorbed from, like, being a kid Mm. up until now. Um, I think, too, like, listening outside of the genre that you're making, um, you know, if you are making a very specific, like, niche thing, and you only are listening to that niche thing as you, um, you know, in the time periods where you're working on that music, it's going to get kind of, I I can see how that would make just kind of like cookie cutter music because it's so easy to translate one to the other. But if you, I don't know, are listening to like, like I love listening to um, soundtracks from movies, like the orchestral scores, like, taking that into an electronic music context um, is really fun and not such an easy translation as like, I don't know, I'm making industrial hardcore and I'm listening to industrial hardcore and that's that. Mm, Yeah, totally. Um, 
What what do you think has been the biggest challenge in your career so far? Um, there's so many ways to think about that. Mm. Or what, what has been the latest challenge that you were dealing with? The latest challenge? Um, I think this one... Okay, so this is the latest challenge, but it's definitely not the biggest one. But it's still you know, pretty daunting or interesting to go through. Um, I think I'm realizing that I love working in software and in my computer. Um, but it's also really exciting to try stuff that's a bit more live or based in hardware or playing something live where I don't have as much control to just automate every single little dot on the screen. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, like, do, you know, uh, messing with a synth for like 10 minutes, like just recording what I'm doing um, and kind of like picking and choosing from that. Uh, and you've got this kind of um, this raw audio that hasn't been, you know, tweaked just so. Um, so like maybe you were like fucking around with a filter at some point and you can't go back now and like be like, oh, I don't like that. I'm going to take it out. You have to redo it again. Or like, uh, you know, playing, if there's a melody, trying to be able to play it live versus just, you know, double clicking the MIDI notes in, yeah. <laughs> um, which I totally have to do a lot of the time, but also it's really cool to play it and actually, you know find out halfway that there's a better way to do it or there's another variation you can add, that kind of thing. So the challenge has been to, like, use new ways of making music. Yeah, and giving up... Right, and giving up control a little, too. Um, doing more stuff in real time. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you feel like, you know, it's, it's adding to creativity, even though it's, it's a challenge? Yeah, I think so. I think it's like, yeah, I get more surprises. Um, it's not as simple to just be like, I want this exact sound or this exact flow, and I'm going to make it happen by, you know, mouse hopping my way to that. Instead, I might, you know, you stumble upon something new or different um, that you wouldn't have even anticipated. I think that is cool and kind of like pumps up the creative process. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I wish um, I could afford the, the some synths and drum machines hopefully very soon, but right now it's it's more like a dream. But one day. <laughs> yeah, it's totally different from, yeah, just, you know, torrenting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> not, that I, not that I do that, allegedly. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to... I think I'm going to close off with the last question that I, I tend to ask everyone. Sure. Um, what is the one advice you would give yourself at the beginning of your career? Like imagine it's like, like seven years ago, what would you tell to yourself? Oh my gosh. I think, I think it would be, and this is like advice I'm still trying to take from myself to just really enjoy the process of writing music. So I, I think when 
you're so hyper-connected to the world through social media, um, you know, half of, like, being an artist now is, like, what kind of content you produce through, like, Facebook and Instagram, whatever, whatever, um, through write-ups. And that can be really intimidating because it seems like everyone is doing everything and, like, you've done nothing. Um, but I think to kind of close that off for a little and not always have that in your the back of your mind and just enjoy the process of learning and creating and like doing music. And then, you know, once you've like created art that you really feel proud of, that's going to give you the drive to get your music out there through that, those kinds of, um, you know, avenues or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's the advice I would give to myself then. And that I'm giving to myself now to just, you know, lock yourself in the studio and, you know, work until you find something you really love and the kind of all this superficial stuff will come later, hopefully. And it will be easier to, to do to do all of that. That's that's a great that's a great advice. Yeah, I definitely think that like I mean, every all the promotion and marketing becomes easier once your music is actually like really good, of course. So yeah. Thank you so much. I, I'm I'm definitely gonna I mean, I'm definitely gonna take this to my heart and I'm gonna try to get better. <laughs> and yeah, oh. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I'm gonna see you at Creepy TP. And if not, you should do it. If not, like, I I hope that your gig is gonna be amazing. And yeah, what, what is coming next for you in, in terms of new releases or anything else? Oh man. Um, well, I'm working on something for Industrial Strength Records um, that Lenny D runs. And I have another EP that's already finished, but I don't know if I'm supposed to like say who it's coming through yeah, yet, yeah. but it's being mixed down. And it's like, I think it's my favorite music I've ever made. So I hope that'll be out within the next, you know, before the year is out at least. Okay, amazing. I'm gonna be looking forward to that. And where can we find you? Uh, where's what's, what are your handles and so on? Oh, I mean, let's see. <laughs> Facebook DJ Kilborn, Instagram Kilborn to the max, Twitter Kilborn underscore, SoundCloud Kilborn. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much once again, and I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hope you've enjoyed the conversation with Kilburn. Now you can listen to an excerpt of an unreleased track of hers called Bleached Whale.